This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Welcome back to Education Matters. I'm your host, Katie Olmstead, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. All of our members are stretched thin these days. Ohio is dealing not only with a serious shortage of substitute teachers, which is forcing many educators to constantly fill in for their coworkers when they're out sick or on quarantine, but we're also dealing with a recruitment crisis. Teachers are leaving the profession, and we're having a lot of trouble getting new teachers to start because of things like poor working conditions and inadequate pay, among other issues. And all of this, of course, is coming at a time when schools are having to make tough choices about whether they can even keep their doors open for in-person learning at any given point. As the folks over at the nonprofit Policy Research Institute Policy Matters Ohio have pointed out in a recent blog post, the American Rescue Plan money is meant to help that situation. Ohio is getting $4.4 billion from the federal government that can be used for things like upgrading HVAC systems in schools and hiring more educators and counselors. That's something that's extra fitting right now in light of it being National School Counseling Week. But Ohio schools have only spent 14% of that money so far. We asked Policy Matters Ohio State Policy Fellow Dr. Tanisha Pruitt to break it all down for us. Dr. Pruitt, thank you so much for joining us. You recently wrote a blog called ARPA, that's the American Rescue Plan Act. It's called ARPA Can Stem the Teacher Shortage and Keep Schools Open. Why is that something Policy Matters Ohio is even interested in? Well, we're interested in keeping schools open, stemming the staff shortages, because we believe that this can create a fair and equitable school, uh, quality schools in Ohio. So we believe that remedying these staff shortages and school closings in Ohio can lead to Ohioans of all races, backgrounds, having access to the education that they need and that staff are supported. As you point out in your blog post, our schools are struggling. Uh, They are struggling with staffing right now. EPI uh, just put out a report about um, how paying educators would help deal with the staffing shortage. I know Policy Matters is the state affiliate for EPI, and I want to bring out one stat they they brought out. It says Ohio employment in K-12 public education is down 3.3% since before the COVID-19 pandemic. That's 10,000 workers, including bus drivers, school custodians, food service workers, teachers, and teaching assistants. How have we seen that play out in terms of schools' abilities to keep their doors open for in-person learning? Yes, Katie, those were you know those were excellent stats. Um, we believe that that is why you know this is such a huge problem because as you can see, the numbers for the unemployment are very high. So we believe that you know COVID nineteen has upended the lives of students, teachers, and parents across the state. Um, In 2020, districts moved to remote learning to keep staff and students safe. However, today, districts are closing for days and weeks at a time because staff are either burnt out, getting sick from Omicron, or both. So, for example, um, earlier in January, Cincinnati Public Schools had 786 employees calling sick 
1,475 students were out sick. And in that same week, 62 school bus drivers had to fill in for other duties, such as school security personnel. And then 23 school nurses were also out sick in that week. So the school district, you know, had to decide to close their doors. Another large urban district was the Columbus Public School District, which suffered the largest amount of school closings across the state. So they had to close 24 of their schools due to staffing shortages. I was floored when I read in your blog post about the Cincinnati situation specifically. You said they had to have parent volunteers in to provide students with lunch. Yes. Everybody had to pull together to sort of help out and fill in where they could because staff was just, you know, they were out, the teachers were spread thin, so everybody filled in to sort of do their part. You also wrote that the superintendent of Black River Local Schools, this one floored me, uh, that superintendent is also serving as the head of maintenance for the district right now. Yes, he told um, a reporter for News 5 that due to all of the source, the shortages in his school district, that it forced him that now he has to serve as head of maintenance. Sometimes he has to also fill in in the classrooms. So, you know, as you can imagine, I'm sure his days are filled and extremely busy. Were you surprised when you came across these kinds of examples in your research? I was. I was I was surprised just for the wide, the large amount of numbers. Um, like when I saw the Columbus School Public School Districts having to close 24 of their schools in the same week. So I was just imagining, you know, the amount of children who were out missing schools. And of course, I feel for the teachers and the administrators who are, you know, risking their lives every day, getting sick to provide quality education for our students, having to deal with the remote learning models. And they are just becoming burnt out and exhausted. I know in Cleveland Metropolitan School Districts, the teachers reported that they are exhausted, overworked. They often have to have to skip lunch and are covering multiple classes. And this is the situation across the state. Yeah. Uh, just a side note, both of my sisters are teachers in, and in their districts, they've been filling in, covering classes for their coworkers who have been out. Uh, one sister was uh, subbing in a PE class. One sister was subbing in a music class. If you knew my sisters, these are two classes they should never, ever be (laughs) in charge of. Um, COVID brought this all to a head, of course, but these are not COVID specific problems. Going back to the Black River local school superintendent, he was saying that there's not a, a big interest in small rural districts. So it's really hard to hire people on. That was a huge problem before the pandemic. Yes, for sure. So before the pandemic, even, you know, there are just changing attitudes in the teaching profession as a whole. So fewer people are choosing to pursue teaching as a profession, um, as well as teachers are starting to leave the career altogether because they are often discouraged by the public's growing hostility under these challenging work conditions. So, you know, they're having to deal with teaching in this environment of the pandemic that all of us have been trying to adjust to. Um, Districts are also having difficulties in hiring and retaining such substitute teachers because substitute ranks are dwindling along with the interest in, in, you know, them teaching for one, but also because substitutes are paid lower starting salaries. So people are not wanting to go into, you know, the profession because they are wanting to get paid what they're worth. Because as we know, teachers often have to put up with so much. They are very critical to our education. They've educated, you know, 
both of us and we've you know been able to be where we are today because of it and so we just want to be able to make sure that you know teachers are supported in what they do but oftentimes that is not the case so let's talk solutions what can we do about all of this and how does that american rescue plan money the the title of your blog here how does that help Yes. So at Policy Matters, we believe that, you know, the solution is sort of two tiers. So in the short term, we believe that districts, you know, policymakers, they need to spend the American Rescue Plan dollars um, wisely. So the rescue, um, the American Rescue Plan passed by Congress last March sent $4.4 billion to Ohio school districts to make buildings COVID safe and to address the critical staff shortage by boosting pay. So we recommend that districts use those dollars to raise the base salary of teachers and substitutes and to fill other positions like cafeteria workers, bus drivers, maintenance staff, and resource, recess monitors. So currently, districts have only spent about a fraction of the money that they have available, which could mean the difference between remote learning and in-person school. But we all can go to our district website, look up the plan to spend the funds, which districts only have until September 30th, 2024 to spend those funds. And we can push them to use the money to make sure our teachers and other school staff have the support that they need to keep doing their jobs. So on the longer end, the other spectrum, the longer end solution that we are um, seeing to address, you know, these staff shortages and schools closings is to fund schools fairly. So most of us believe that all kids, no matter where they live or what they look like, deserve a chance to reach their full potential. But the problem is that even before COVID, too many politicians at all levels of government underfunded our public schools, choosing to send our dollars to the richest people and wealthy corporations with tax breaks and tax cuts and a heaping even more needs upon schools that serve the most disadvantaged communities. So now those same politicians are trying to use school closures to pit parents against teachers and school administrators. So we believe that the solution to this is that all Ohio children deserve to attend schools with enough resources to fully prepare them to succeed and to address the pressing needs that come up during tough times like the ones that we are in. So we have to all come together to demand our elected leaders to fully and fairly fund every school in every district. And this is done by fully enacting the fair school funding plan into law beyond the next two years. And that's one of the excellent points about this. The American Rescue Plan money, as you pointed out, has a sunset. You have to spend the money by this time or it's gone. Uh, the fair school funding plan, as originally proposed, was supposed to stabilize school funding make it constitutional yeah. into the future. Um, do you think one of the, the reasons districts are hesitant to spend the money that is at their disposal right now is because they don't know what's happening after the next uh, budget cycle? Yes, there is. I mean, in the conversations that I've been in, you know, with different teachers and school leaders, that is a fear is that it's like, you know, one day some school districts don't know what to spend the money on. There's guidelines laid out, um, you know, by ODE. And even at the federal level, there are guidelines on how districts could spend the money and should spend the money. But most school districts still just don't know what that looks like. And then, like you said, there's that fear of, you know, if we spend this money, is there going to be money in the 
the future. Like they just don't want to run off and then it'd be, you know, like a budget cliff and they can't, you know, spend any more money afterwards. So there, I think people, there's hesitancy because it's like, if I spend this money now, will there be money later to spend? And that's why the fair school funding needs to be fully enacted because once those ARPA dollars run out, then there's still that added support, continuous support from the fair school funding plan that we can use to sustain schools and sustain staff and keep our schools open. And as you pointed out, it is a long-standing issue well before COVID that our schools are underfunded, under-resourced. I want to pull out some of the stats from the EPI report that uh, I think really illustrate this. And this is looking at nationally. Um, low pay, it says, is a long-standing issue for support staff. From 2014 to 2019, the median weekly wage in 2020 money for food service workers in K-12 education was $331, a median weekly wage. School bus drivers, that median weekly wage was 493 and teaching assistance was 507. In contrast, the median U.S. worker earned $790 per week. And let's talk about the teaching staff. Past EPI research shows that public K-12 school teachers nationally are paid 19.2% less than similar workers in other occupations. So those are people with the same level of education, same level of experience in a different field are making close to 20% more. Is there a way that we can attract and retain people to these very essential fields without addressing that pay gap? Yes, I believe that simply put, we just have to pay teachers more. We have to pay teachers what they're worth because especially now in this climate, a lot of people in the workforce in general, they're not entering the workforce again because they you know, don't want to go into jobs where they are worn out, exhausted, burnt out, but the pay is incomparable to you know, survive in our current economy. People have bills to pay, rent. You know, They need to be able to provide basic needs and services, provide for their families. And so I believe to continue to attract people to the teaching profession, you know, we have to make sure that teachers feel one, that they feel valued. Um, that is a big part of it is that teachers just feel like, you know, they're not valued. A lot of people feel like teacher, the profession as a whole isn't valued anymore. So people aren't going into the profession. So we just have to sort of change the narrative and continue to, you know, let our teachers know that we value them, that we support them and then show them that we support them by providing, you know, the necessary salaries that they need and the necessary resources and supports that they need in these schools. Um, to thrive and provide a quality education for our students. And that the ripple effects of that go beyond just our classrooms. Um, when right. we have a recruitment crisis and we're having trouble staffing our schools, we're closing schools for in-person learning, which has an economic impact mm-hmm. because parents, uh, as somebody who's, uh, I have a three-year-old and a seven-month-old, and they have been, since the beginning of the year, both of them home with me, basically since the start of the year at various points because of quarantines and their daycare, um, I can't get work done. I, I am blessed to be able to work from home and try to juggle. So many people don't have that option and they have left the workforce. So the whole point of the American Rescue Plan was to have people go back to the workforce by providing the, the structures uh, that would allow our schools to stay open for in-person learning. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, I believe that is very fair. That is because that story, you know, echoes across the state. People are having to choose between 
you know, going to work or being able to stay home with their children because their children have to stay home for remote remote learning. And that is causing, you know, all types of economic issues. Women are deeply impacted um, by this change during the whole pandemic. You know, women had to leave the uh, labor force at high numbers, which was detailed in our SOWO report written by one of our researchers, Mike Shields. And so, you know, all of these economic factors are they're accumulating and it's just causing the issue to continue to grow right now there's a, a bus shortage a bus driver shortage you know what i mean there's buses big schools can't afford the amount of buses that they need to bus students to school so that's another factor there's transportation issues um there's just a whole host of issues that are sort of coming together to really make this situation critical in ohio and the american rescue plan dollars can really be that first step and leading us, you know, sort of out of this situation and towards, you know, a better school system, allowing our schools to be able to thrive, allowing our students to be able to stay in schools, our teachers to be supported in schools, and our families, you know, to just some of the burden and to be lifted up off of them. I want to go back to the Columbus situation that you talked about a little bit ago. You talked about how they had all of those building closures. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for those building closures, at least in some cases, was issues with the heat. Um, mm-hmm. There are big issues with aging HVAC systems. To me, it's maddening because there is American Rescue Plan money specifically. One of the specific uses for it is to upgrade the HVAC systems. Yes. Are we seeing uh, the districts take advantage of that? They have the money. <laughs> Yes. So um, like laid out in the guidelines, schools are typically supposed to use about 20 percent of their funds to go towards, you know, those COVID measures, like making sure there's proper ventilation in schools. Schools have, you know, um, HVAC systems. I know in a recent report, I believe it was schools in Clark County that they were saying that um, they are using, you know, they're taking serious their investment into proper ventilation and the HVAC systems. I believe the Batavia local school district was the same. They used a lot of their um, ARPA money that came in to use the, um, to, you know, improve their HVAC systems, to improve their uh, ventilation so that they can make sure that the students that are in the schools, you know, and the staff and administrators that they're receiving quality air and the air is being filtered out properly. So there are schools that are, you know, using the money for those purposes. They're buying more masks, you know, more cleaning services, making sure that they can buy, um, you know, those protective guards over the desk so that students can, you know, sit in classes, socially distance and remain safe. So there are schools across the, you know, across the state that are taking those measures and using those funds. But as we see, some school districts across the state, they're starting to, you know, get rid of the mask mandates in schools, which a lot of people are, you know, sort of having concerns about because now people don't have to wear masks in schools. And that's another fear of the teachers is just like, you know, people don't have to wear masks. So that's putting us at more risk. And, you know, it's just, it's adding, adding, adding to the issue. And you bring up some good examples of districts that have been investing in the buildings. Do you have Have you seen districts that have invested in their people like they need to? There are districts that are like, for example, in Akron, they are offering 40 to $60 daily pay increase for their substitutes. 
right? And in the same situation in Canton, uh, the district is offering substitutes pay rates on par with starting pay for full-time employers. So, you know, these are just some of the examples of how they're starting to see like, okay, we have to start paying these teachers more to in order to attract them. Like how we talked about with Black River, um, Superintendent Chris Clark was talking about how he's having trouble just attracting people to rural districts and um, to even come to the school to teach. So it's like, how do we attract them? And that's by these incentives sort of like in Canton where they're offering to pay, you know, <laughs> rates that are on par with full-time employees. And I think that's the way that we districts should start doing it across the state is just offering more money. We have to really incentivize people to come. And then when they do come, make them feel valued and supported. Certainly for the substitutes, especially for the full-time educators, Bring in those substitutes to, you know, take some of the pressure off the system right now. But it is absolutely critical that we start paying our full-time educators uh, enough money to make this so that we can attract and retain the high-quality educators that can deliver the world-class education all Ohio students deserve. Yes, correct. Tanisha, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can find the link to the Policy Matters Ohio blog in the show notes for this episode. While you're there, like or subscribe to Education Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. New episodes drop every Thursday, and next week we're digging into the misinformation around the state teacher's retirement system. You can also connect with OEA anytime on social media. We're at OhioEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.